the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I've got rules for when I heal you. Isn't that awesome? I intend to heal. What other God promises to heal what's unhealable by natural means? Praise to the God who reigns above. What doctors or anybody else says can't be done or it's just the way it is. Well, we look to the Lord and we say, Lord, if it be your will. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in a study of the book of Leviticus. God has been giving the Israelites the ceremonial laws that were specific for them. He had presented the children of Israel with the ways they were going to worship Him through offerings and sacrifices. God has been giving the laws of ceremonial uncleanness. It is important to remember that these laws were only for the nation of Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. We do not need to live by these laws for salvation, nor to live holy lives. Our holiness and right standing with God comes solely through Jesus' finished work on the cross. We continue with Pastor Will in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 40, as we look at laws concerning leprosy and skin conditions, specifically mentioning baldness. Verses 40 and 41, the Lord makes some general statements about baldness here. If you struggle with your hair, there's some good news for you. You're not in sin. It's not judgment. Serious. It says, now, the man whose hair has fallen off his head, he is bald. (laughs) You learned that tonight. You didn't know that before then, but if you lose your hair, you're bald. So that's how it is. No, yet it says he is clean. You have to realize something. Bald wasn't beautiful in that culture. In fact, you remember David relates a story of how he was trying to give his condolences to the son of the king of Ammon. The king of Ammon died. And so he sent some of his wise men, his counselors, with a gift to the son of the king of Ammon to tell him, hey, we're so sorry. I knew your dad, good man. And my condolences, we hope your reign goes well. But see, he was a young guy. And young guys tend to be a little feisty and feel like I got to prove something. And so... The other guy said, oh, David's just doing this to get you in his pocket, so you'll be his man. So he shaved the beards and the hair of the guys who came and sent them home without their pants on. So you went home naked. That was a deep dishonor that you could have. And so much so that David, when he found out, they were on a town far just on the border of Israel. He told him, he said, listen, just stay there till your beards are grown. I know it's embarrassing. So you have to realize something, losing your hair or being bald back then, it was not only just considered, you know, hey, you're losing your hair, not beautiful. It was considered that maybe you were cursed by God. So the Lord makes it clear here. He goes, he's just bald. He's not unclean. He's not cursed by me. In verse 41, he says, he that has his hair fallen off from the part of his head that's in front of his face, he's just forehead bald. So, you know, if you're just losing the right around here, you're good. God loves you. Lord's not upset at you. He's not taking away your hair in judgment. He is clean. He can worship just like anybody else. And again, I have to say this, God had to explain this because 
The Egyptians, if you remember, they shaved their heads. Men and women, by the way. If you were a gal back then, you were shaved your head. They thought hair was dirty. Every bit of hair was dirty. So you would shave your head. They wore elaborate wigs and fake beards, ladies too sometimes, instead. Some of the Israelites were tempted to pronounce a bald person as cursed because God had made them like the Egyptians, made them like Israel's enemy. And God says, no, that's not the case. Sometimes baldness just happens. It's in your DNA. It's just how it works, you know? Other times, though, disease does cause it. And so in verse 42, if it's a disease that causes it, there needs to be an inspection. Verse 42 says, and if there be in the bald head or the bald forehead, a white reddish sore. In other words, you're not just losing your hair. Something's going on here. It is a leprosy sprung up or an infection sprung up in his bald head or his bald forehead. So then the priest shall look upon it, examine it. Behold, if the rising of the sore be white reddish in his bald head or in his bald forehead, as the leprosy appears in the skin of the flesh, well, then he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. Here we find only the worst cases of leprosy that usually affected your extremities. Only the worst cases actually got near the central nervous system in the brain. So if you got leprosy on your head or something like that, it was a bad case. And so that's why he says he's utterly unclean. This would be an extremely dangerous infection and therefore you had to get him outside the camp right away. In verse 45, we get just general rules for those who are unclean and what they have to do. It says in 45, and the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be torn, his head will be bare. Um, The word there, bare, actually doesn't mean shaven. It means to be unkept or run wild, not to take care of your hair. The idea is you're to be easily identifiable. If you see a crazy haired guy and his clothes are ripped, and then it mentions here, he shall also put a covering upon his upper lip. And as he walks around, he shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean. He shall dwell alone outside the camp, shall his habitation Now that's interesting that he would wear a cloth or a wrap over his upper lip. Leprosy can only be spread through nasal secretions or droplets. So you would have to get this part of your face covered because that's where the infection comes from. Wrapping one's nose by covering the upper lip and proclaiming your uncleanness, keeping your hair all crazy and tearing your clothes was designed to prevent spread when you were traveling to and fro to get food or whatever you needed so everyone would know and they would back off and they wouldn't get infected. Other than that though, when you weren't traveling, they were to live in isolation in a tent outside the community of faith. Again, harsh, but if there's anything we learn from this, this is how far sin separates us from God. It's not that they did sin to do this, but just shows the very nature of sin, that God's presence can't dwell amongst sin. Remember Jesus said that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? That's why I need a new body to be with the Lord. This body, well, yeah, I've been forgiven. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I stand righteous before God, but it still bears the marks of sin in general. And that's why I need a new body that is glorified and has never known sin, never been touched by the fall. It will never grow old, never die. The cells will never have problems. And that will be the body that I will have in his presence for all eternity. Verse 47, there were also rules for when materials got infected. It says the garment also, which just means material of any kinds, clothes, bed sheets, tablecloth. It says the garment also that the plague of leprosy is in. Whether it be a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it be in the warp or in the woof, the infection of linen or of woolen, whether in a skin or in anything, there are rules for that too. The World Health Organization states on their website that leprous bacteria from nasal secretions can remain contagious on clothing and material from 36 hours to nine days, depending upon the climate that you live in. While leprosy doesn't actually show up in material, it's not like the material gets leprosy. Remember that the word leprosy here refers to any kind of infectious disease disease, which would include fungus or mold or mildew. And so when we get down to verse 49, we're going to
going to find that that's probably what's at reference there. Now, what would prompt a visit to the priest? Well, if you find it in the warp, which means material made from the loom, or in the woof, which means not a dog, but it means material made from knitting. Basically, the Lord's trying to rule out any exceptions. Or if it's in a skin, which means an animal skin, like leather or hide, he says, you got to go to the priest. The reason you would go is because if you see an infection, it's greenish or reddish in the garment. The greenish there means a pale green, so like mildew. The reddish, it's interesting when sheep has a skin disease, the wool looks fox-like in color. That's probably what's in reference here by the reddish, because it means fox hair color. He says, then it is a plague of leprosy or an infectious disease, and it shall be showed unto the priest. So what does the priest look for? Well, verse 50, it says here, and the priest shall look upon the plague and shut up it. So it gets to be a sad tablecloth for a week. Shut it up, and it has the plague seven days. And he goes back seven days later and looks at it. If the infection or the plague has spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof or in a skin, doesn't matter what kind of material, or in any work that is made of skin, well, then the plague is a fretting leprosy or a harmful or destructive infection. It is unclean. He shall therefore burn that garment. Doesn't matter how nice it is. I don't care if it's Linus's blanket, you're burning that thing. He shall therefore burn that garment, whether warp or woof or woolen or linen, anything of skin, wherein the plague is, for it is a fretting, a harmful, destructive infection. It shall be burnt in the fire, goodbye blanket. Verse 53, but if the priest shall look and behold, the plague has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or the woof or anything of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing. Give it a good wash wherein the plague is. And then he's going to leave it there for seven more days. And the priest shall look on the plague after it is washed and behold, after seven more days, if the plague has not changed its color, it's still got something wrong with it. And the plague is not spread though. It is unclean though. You're going to burn it in fire. It's fretting inward. In other words, there's a fungus or a mildew present deep inside the fabric and it's going to come back no matter how many times you keep washing the thing. So you got to burn it and get rid of it. If that's the case, he says, whether it be bare within or without, you got to burn it. Verse 56. And if the priest look and behold, the plague be somewhat dark after the washing of it and starting to fade, he says, then he shall actually tear it out of the garment, tear the part that's darkened or out of the skin or out of the warp or out of the woof. And if it appears still in the garment, in other words, if it's still spreading to the other parts of the garment, either in the warp or in the woof or in anything of skin, well, then it's a spreading plague. In other words, there's something in there. We don't know what it is and it's just never going to be right. And so you shall burn that wherein the plague is with fire and the garment, either warp or woof, whatsoever thing of skin it be, which you shall wash. If the plague be departed from them, then you wash it another time and then it's clean. Linus can have his blanket back. This is the law of the plague of leprosy in a garment of woolen or linen or in all the other stuff to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. Now here's the cool part, chapter 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Isn't that awesome? He's like, hey, check this out. I've got rules for when I heal you. Isn't that awesome? I intend to heal. What other God promises to heal what's unhealable by natural means? Our God does. Our God does. How many times have we seen in the New Testament it says, well, we brought him to the doctors or we brought him to this and we brought him that. Nobody could help him. And Jesus touched him and immediately he was healed. But doctors or anybody else says can't be done or this is the way it is. Well, we look to the Lord and we say, Lord, if it be your will, Lord, if you're willing, what did Jesus ask the leper? He said, what do you want? And he said, if you're willing, I know you can make me whole. And what did Jesus say? I am willing. That's all it is. Lord, if you want to do this, it can be done. I mean, it can be done right now and be gone. And I've seen the Lord do it so many times. We had a blessed dear saint who came here a couple weeks ago, I think. And no, it was last Sunday. And she had come when I was on vacation and come forward and had the folks pray for her because she had a hip surgery. She came to testify that that Sunday, last week, to say, I want to let you know you guys laid hands on me and prayed for me. And what was supposed to be a 10-week recovery, I am healed now. God still does that. He still does that kind of stuff. Sometimes I wonder if we, we just think that's too crazy. God might heal me. Sometimes we're afraid to hope. Don't ever be afraid to hope. 
The Bible says, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. So here it says, this is the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now, the cleansing is not from the leprosy. The cleansing is from his unclean state. So this is the law of the leper. He gets healed how he can be cleansed and re-enter the community again. Well, the first thing says, he shall be brought to the priest. But it mentions here, there's actually three steps to his reintroduction to the community. Number one, he had to be examined to prove he was healthy. Number two, there was a ritual outside the camp. And number three, there was a ritual inside the camp. So it says here, he shall be brought to the priest. Actually, the priest will go to him, we see in verse 3, and he'll examine him. Verse 3, the priest shall go forth outside the camp, and the priest shall look or examine, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, he determines that, well, then the priest shall command to take for him, that is to be cleansed, two birds who are alive and clean, and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. So he says, he's healed, he's whole, he's healthy now, God healed him. So he would turn to one of his assistants and say, go back into the camp, get me two living birds, they have to be clean birds. Remember, we looked at the dietary laws last week, he couldn't show up with an osprey or couldn't show up with an eagle or a vulture, had to be two clean birds. Not that you would do that. Two clean birds, some cedar wood, some scarlet, which would actually be a garment. The scarlet there would be like a a crimson robe or a crimson garment of some sort. And then hyssop. Hyssop was a mint herb that was used for medicinal or cleaning purposes. Its branches were also used to soak up liquid, which would then be sprinkled upon something like used like a paintbrush. When God told him to put the blood over the door and on the sides of the door on the Passover, they dipped a hyssop branch in the bowl of, of blood and they painted it on top and did that. So that's what hyssop was. So I don't know if it was just to bring the herb or it was to bring the whole branch. We don't know. It doesn't say. And then when those come, here's the ritual that they'll go through to cause him to almost like have a new life, a new beginning. Verse five says, the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. So like a clay pot over running water. So you had to find some way to get running water. So it'd probably be like a river or a brook or something like that. You would kill the bird over that, over running water. And the reason for that is because the bird would not bleed very much. So the water would create enough liquid when mingled with the blood for the ritual. Verse six, as for the living bird, he, the priest shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and he'll dip all of them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. So he would take all this stuff, the chunk of cedar wood, dip it in the bloody water. He'd dip the crimson clothing in the bloody water. And then he would dip the hyssop in the bloody water. And then he would take the living bird and he'd dip that thing in the living water. And in verse seven, he would sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. That's why I think it was probably was a branch. So he'd dip it in there and he'd sprinkle on him seven times. And remember seven's the number of completion. So it would symbolize that he was being cleansed, the complete and whole restoration into the camp. It's interesting, the word dip there means to soak or bathe, so they would really soak this stuff in there. And then it mentions that after he does that, he shall proclaim him clean, and then he shall let the living bird loose into the open field. So you let the bird go, and he'd flap off the spattered blood and stuff that they had been dipped in, and he'd go his merry way and be free. And and of course, the symbolism is is so clear to the leper. The old life of being unclean had died like that first bird, you know? And a new life of being free to come back into the community again had begun. He would no longer be confined to his tent outside the community. You know, it's interesting, while it doesn't tell us what the other items were used for, I believe that each of them point forward to Christ. It's funny, it doesn't mention what to do with the wood, doesn't mention what to do with the scarlet. It says probably sprinkled with the hyssop. We don't know for sure. He could have just spritzed it with his fingers, but we aren't told what the other stuff was for. We're never told, but I think it's because it all points forward to Christ, which we'll get to at the end, so you have to stay. Now we get to verse eight, and here's the re-entry ritual into society. Now he that is to be cleansed, so once he comes back into the community, he's got to wash his clothes, he's got to shave off all his hair, and 
wash himself in water, take a good bath, that he may be clean. And after that, he will come into the camp and shall tarry abroad of his tent seven days. So he can't go back to normal life yet. For seven days, he's got to hang out outside of his tent. But on the seventh day, verse 9, he shall shave all his hair off his head again. So he's got to go through this again. And the idea, the reason they're shaving everything and washing everything is because everything associated with the old life needed to be removed. Remember, he wasn't to cut his hair. He was to leave it all unkempt and messy. But at that point, now he's going to shave all that so that it looks like a completely different person. Because the truth is, God's healed him. He's become a completely different person. Now, it's interesting when it mentions that he comes back into the camp. They didn't have mechanical dryers back then. So if he took a bath and he washed his clothes... His washed clothes would take some time to dry, but he can come right back into the camp. It doesn't say, but my guess is he would come back into the camp clothed in the scarlet garments, giving the impression that he'd been cleansed with blood. Fascinating, huh? And this is an excellent yet sober picture of what happens to us when we are born again. We are washed clean, but at great cost, the life of God's own dear son. Now, why the reshaving of every inch of hair? It mentions here, but on the seventh day, he shave all his hair off his head, his beard, and his eyebrows even. Even all his hair he shall shave off, and he shall wash his clothes. Also, he shall wash his flesh in water, and he shall be clean. The reason that they would shave all the hair is because God can't accept 75% or 90% or even 99% clean. The only way we can approach him is by being 100% clean. And aren't you glad that you have the righteousness of Christ, which makes you 100% clean? You're not 99% clean. You're not 98% clean. You're not 75% clean. You're 100% clean by the blood of the lamb. Amen? You know, we've been washed in the blood of the lamb, but we've been clothed in the white linen of God's righteousness, and we are white as snow. Verse 10, here it says, now on the eighth day, he has to bring multiple offerings for him to now be able to worship again. He's been pronounced clean, but now he's got to be able to worship again. So on the eighth day, he shall take two he lambs without blemish, male lambs, and then one ewe lamb, which would be a female, of the first year without blemish. So they were young, no fault in them at all. We covered why that is back in the offerings. And then three-tenth deals of fine flour for a grain offering. Remember, the grain offering symbolized service, and it'd be mingled with oil, and he would also have to bring one log of oil. He didn't have to fill up a tree branch of oil. The word a log here was a liquid measure. It was about 1.5 measuring cups of liquid. So he'd have to bring 1.5 cup measuring cups of olive oil with him as well. Five things. Two he lambs, the one she lamb, the grain offering, and then the container of oil. Now it says here what to do with them. Verse 11. And the priest that makes him clean, he shall present the man that is to be made clean and those things, his offerings, before the Lord at the door, the entrance of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall take one he lamb, Offer him for a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. So the most important offering here, although they were all mattered, was the one of the he lambs and this log of oil. We see the more details given to these things. Now, why did a guy like this have to offer a trespass offering? If you remember, the trespass offering was you had to do that because you did something on purpose. You knew what you did was wrong, but you did it anyway. That's a trespass. It's not a sin where you're aiming for the bullseye. I'm trying to do the right thing, but I messed up. No, this is when you knew what you're doing was wrong. Why did this person didn't ask for leprosy? Why a trespass offering? Well, the truth is this. We've all rebelled against God to do our own thing. And all disease reminds us of Adam's original sin that is repeated by us, that we live in a fallen world because we've rebelled against God. And just as we have to acknowledge our rebellion against God and how short we fall of a standard before we can enter into a relationship with him, this person needed to recognize their need for forgiveness as well. And so they would bring that before the Lord
word and the Lord would take it and he'd wave it before the Lord. And, and here, the fact that he incorporates a wave offering here, it would go back and forth because the priest would get some, the person bringing it would eat some, and then of course some would be consumed on the altar. But the wave there is to show that the trespass offering was symbolic and not because of any specific trespass that the priest thought caused his leprosy. And yet the priest was still treated as a normal trespass offering, including his portion, verse 13. And he shall lay the lamb in, in the place where they shall kill the sin offering and the burnt offering, the altar, in the holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering, it is most holy. So all the laws, we talked about that this morning, how they got a portion of the meat, they still apply to this as well. And then the priest, verse 14, shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed, upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe, the big toe of his right foot. God didn't hate lefties, by the way. Right was considered the position of strength. If you're lefty, Jesus loves you. This was to signify that the person now was committing to be a faithful member of the community by listening to God's word, by doing what he said with his hands, and by following where the Lord would lead with his feet. And so that was what that symbolized. Verse 15, and the priest shall take some of the log of oil that was a part of his trespass offering. He'll take some of the log of oil and he'll pour it into the palm of his left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, the little pool of oil there. And he shall sprinkle of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. So he'd go into the holy place in the tabernacle, he'd sprinkle it there. The rest of the oil that was in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed, upon the thumb of his right hand, upon the big toe of his right foot, right on top of the blood of the trespass offering he'd already put there. And whatever's left of the oil, he would just take it and dump it on top of the head of him that's to be cleansed. And the priest, by doing this, all of the trespass offering will make an atonement for him before the Lord. The reason he does oil as well is because it symbolized God's anointing and it symbolized God's favor in all these areas of life that the Lord was accepting his life back into the community. Now, the other offerings, there were more, the sin, the burnt offering, the grain offering. It says here, verse 19, the priest shall offer the sin offering, make an atonement for him that is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And then afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering upon the altar. And the priest shall make an atonement for him and he shall be clean. Every other offering, it's interestingly enough, is had to be given except for the peace offering. And again, the reason why is to make an atonement to cover his sin. You know, no Israelite could be perfectly righteous before God because Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. But by faith, their sin could be covered and their standing made right with God so they could have a relationship with him. These offerings symbolize that in their service, that was the grain offering, in their surrender, the burnt offering, and even their failures, the sin offering, that in all of those things, they were accepted by God again. And you know, aren't you glad for the cross and our fully forgiven standing before God? That he takes us just as we are, that we can enter boldly before his throne of grace Aren't you glad for that? If you're wondering, yes, this would be an expensive bill, especially for one who hadn't been working in the community. Perhaps, though, they had no immediate family who, who'd carried on the business after their exile. And in that case, God provided a cheaper alternative. Verse 21, and if he be poor and cannot get so much, well, then he shall take just one lamb for a trespass offering to be waived, to make an atonement for him, and one-tenth deal of fine flour mingled with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil. That remained the same. But the other offerings, they were smaller. Instead of two he lambs, you would take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to get. And the one shall be for a sin offering and the other for the burnt offering. It's interesting, the trespass offering requirements were exactly the same. And I think that shows us that no matter how rich or poor we are, every single person must all come to the one lamb who alone could take away our sin. That never changes, whatever your social standing may be. 
So the difference mainly came in the birds replacing the two lambs. I'm not going to read all the way through to verse 32 because the ritual is exactly the same. How does this all point to Jesus? Well, when we examine the first ritual the healed person went through, there was also wood, red clothing, hyssop, something that died, and something that went free. And when we look at the cross, we see the exact same thing. We see the wood of the cross. I don't know if it was made of cedar, but my guess is maybe it was, seeing that God had that whole thing there. I don't know, but my guess is it probably was. You know, Jesus was clothed with scarlet and mocked as a king. Remember that? That was there. We'd see they gave him a hyssop branch to drink vinegar from. And of course, he dies, and all those who believe still go free today, right? My skincare advice for you is to get a skin treatment by trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross, to be clothed with his righteousness. That's why I said this deal also comes with new clothes, so it's a good one. Get a spa treatment with Jesus. He washes you clean and he gives you new clothes. You can't get better than that. I dare any spa to offer that. I don't. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with me. There's a reason we study these things because they do point forward to important principles for us. I want to read 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 11 to you. It says, know you not, which means be something we should know, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't. Don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That sounds like bad news. But look at what verse 11 says. And such were some of you. But now what are we? but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You know, the leprosy that was mentioned in these chapters paints a vivid picture of our sin, which separates us from God. But God himself provides the means for our restoration to relationship with him. The law of leprosy symbolically looks forward to the law of our cleansing from our sin because he sent Jesus to cleanse our sin and give us his righteousness. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, you are worthy of our praise. We look at that whole scenario and what a horrible scenario. And yet the Bible says that was us. We were called out of darkness into your marvelous light. We who were not a people, now all of a sudden we are your people, Lord. We who were astray and gone and doing our own thing. As Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. All we have gone our own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And through that, we have been brought near, Lord. By your blood, we have been brought near. And now we've been clothed in your righteousness. So, Lord, you are worthy of the praise. You are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of our obedience. And so we give ourselves to you. Thank you for washing us. Thank you for sanctifying us. Thank you for justifying us, Lord. We want to live for you. And we give our lives to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Sin causes us to be far from God. We are considered unclean and unworthy to stand in the presence of a holy and perfectly just God. The awesome thing is that God is merciful. He sent Jesus, the perfect sacrifice and offering, to pay for our debt so that we can be clean, washed, and given the opportunity to stand before the great God of the universe. If you have any spiritual or physical need, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.